Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of Touring the Multiverse. Uh, this is the first of a limited series of the It's a Mimic podcast, where I, Dave, lead you and Adam. on a tour of one of the published campaign settings for the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. We'll be breaking down the different aspects of a specific setting outside of the Forgotten Realms, and for those of you who listen to the regular podcast, you guessed it, I'm doing Eberron. Now, over the course of this first series, I'll be breaking down the history, lore, settings, populaces, adventures, and player options. Well, I give some quick insights into the unique monster stats that Wizards of the Coast has provided. Now, today, for our first episode, we're going to kind of give you the broad overview of the history of Eberron. So, everybody, hop on board the lightning rail, and we will look at this steampunky world of high adventure as presented in Eberron Rising from the Last War. So the first thing that everybody needs to know about Eberron is that it was created by the three progenitor dragons. There were Sybaris, Eberron, and Kyber. Now, they came into existence and they actually created the 13 planes of existence. Uh, wait a minute, there's more than 13 planes in D&D. Not in Eberron. Okay. Okay, this is a little bit different. Uh, it's not your typical flavor. Uh, you could add stuff in, I mean, and we'll get into it later. There are different portals in the different realms that take you to the different planes. Like, it's all very much interconnected in its own perfect little sealed... There's like a web of, of a multiverse within the own within their own... Yes. Like, Eberron campaign setting then? Yes. Okay. Uh, the three dragons, Cerberus, Eberron, and Kyber, uh, when they were done, they created the last one, and that was the material plane. It was the 13th, but it was kind of the hub of it all. It all kind of works it all together, it all kind of blends it, and makes it what it is. The material plane had a lot of features that the other realms and planes didn't have, okay? Like what? It knew the difference between war and peace, between life and death, and order and chaos. So the rest of the other planes, the other 12, they were all more centered on one facet of... It's just like how, how each one of the regular planes in, in normal D&D, in the Forgotten Realms setting, whatever, is focused on one alignment, right? It's so, it, But it's, it's not by alignment anymore, you're saying? Not entirely. Okay. Uh, now, the thing is, is that the material plane was the best, okay? Because it had so much. And Kyber, she wanted it all for herself. Okay, hold on. Kyber is one of the one of the dragons. Yes, that created the 13 planes of existence. Okay, all right. Okay. Now, she attacked Sybaris, who is another one of the dragons, and ripped him apart. Just obliterated him, okay? Now, is she known as the most powerful of them, or was she just, like, ambushed him and shanked him in the back? Uh... Kyber knew that she was going to meet some resistance, but from Eberron and Sybaris. Uh, so she kind of took the opportunity to get rid of one so that it was a fair fight to fight the other one. Okay, so she's smart. But it turned out that it wasn't a fair fight. Kyber was far too powerful for Eberron. Now, Eberron was a little more clever, okay? And... What Eberron did was she wrapped up Kyber inside of her 
and sealed herself as a prison. Hot. I've seen that on the internet. Oh, buddy. Anyways. Yep. Uh, sealed Kyber inside of her so that her evil could not escape and take over the material plane. Yep. That's how you do it. Okay. Yep. Now, obviously, this is some old-timey lore. Uh, but there's a few other tales that kind of come in with it in order to get us to where we are today. Uh, because if you're not aware, the campaign setting of Eberron, it starts on an exact date. That's freaking bizarre. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to get there in a minute. But leading up to this point, there's a few other tales of history. So I just want to kind of tell you a couple of them. Sure, yep, hit me. Uh, so when Sybaris, who was shattered by Kyber, and, and it, it really, like in the book, it, it really says the word shattered. It, it, it focuses on that. Uh, and that's super important because it is said now that um, the shards of Sybaris are the dragon shards that encircle Eberron, the planet, and, and create the rings, much like you'd find on like Saturn. Okay, so we have a legit planet here. Yes, so Eberron is a planet, okay? All right, okay. And the, the rings around it are Sybaris, supposedly. This is lore, okay? Sure, okay. The surface, that's Eberron. I think you knew that. I think you've heard me say that word once or twice before. Yes. Okay? Yeah, it's in the title. Right. But Kyber became the Underdark, and that's how they kind of work this into... Is he the Underdark, or is he the... She. The af- she. Is she the Underdark, or yeah, is she C- the Afterlife? Sybaris is the only... Is the only male? Yeah. And and the other two are female. Okay. Okay. Uh, No, it is specifically the Underdark, which is the source of aberrations and fiends. Okay, so we got rid of the Far Realms. Yes. Okay. Okay, so again, like this is really contained and kind of worked it all into it. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, that's really just the, the, that's how the world was created. Sure. Okay. Now, who created the dragons? Jesus. Yeah, okay. All right, the Jesus dragon. Uh, wizards of the coast. Wizard. <laughs> but a bunch of wizards standing there on the shoreline. Yes. Yeah, it, gotcha. It was totally wizard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck off. Uh, right, anyways, so one of these other tales, okay? As during the First Age, the world was ruled by the Overlords, okay? Now, I believe you know a little bit about the Overlords. That you're I, gonna... I've done some research about them, yeah. Okay, you're going to get into that? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that way later. I'll do that at the end of the episode. Okay. But, see, the Overlords have, or had, an army of Rakshasa and other lesser fiends. Okay. Okay? Uh, and they pretty much took over the world. Where do they come from? Do we still have the lower planes? Uh, well, it no. Yeah? I don't think so. Okay. Okay? Uh, so... It specifically says Rakshasa and Lesser Fiends. But if you remember, the Underdark is where aberrations and fiends come from. So I would assume that these overlords were... It feels like there is, like, hell and madness beneath your feet. Like, if you dig down deep enough. Yeah, this is not your typical Underdark. Okay, all right, hold on. So so, so this is what I'm thinking, okay? We've got the sky and, and the shards around is Sybaris. Eberron is the land, but if you dig down, the core of this planet is Kyber, wrapped up in Eberron, and that's where all the evil in the world comes from, the depths of the planet. Am I... Am I yes, yes. I got that? Okay. Yes. All right. I got that. Okay. Uh, now, of course, Eberron, the dragon, not the world, I'm going to have to probably... Say that a bunch. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was for the forces of light. Okay. So it was a really... Evil versus light, dark versus light kind of thing. So anyways, the forces of light came together to defeat the overlords, okay? Now, nobody really knows what the forces of light are, 
I'm assuming it's elves. It's usually elves. Well, there's two rumors that I came across. Okay. Okay. The first one uh, was it was the nine gods of the sovereign host, which again we'll get to later. We'll, uh, not probably not this episode, but we'll get into it at a future date. Okay? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I mean it. Just did think of the words. This is such a rich lore that we're not going to be able to... Everything is going to need to be referenced back and forth a few times. Yeah, you're going to hear some words that aren't going to make sense until a little bit later. Oh, it's like, it's like the first two seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing that the Forces of Light could have been were supposed to be an alliance of dragons and celestials. Mm-hmm. So it's either the nine gods of the Sovereign Host or dragons and celestials. Yeah, okay. So, forces of light. So, so hold on. So, there's the pro- progenitor dragons, which are gods, but they're not just the only dragons. There are also dragons. Yeah, in fact, we'll get into it, but there is an entire continent of dragons on the planet Eberron, which is made from the body of the dragon. Uh, of a dragon Eberron. god, though. Yeah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. The thing is, though... Is that... Well, we've already had a thing. What, what is this There's thing? more things. Okay, lots of things. I got big things coming. I don't want to know anything about your big thing. Uh, that's fair. That, that, that is fair. All right, well, stop dangling it and tell me about it. <clears throat> so, the Overlords, when they were defeated by the forces of light, um, they're immortal. So, what really happened was their essence was sent back down into Kyber. So the overlords and the idea of them and their essence still very much exists. They were more driven from the world than completely destroyed. Now, I have I have a little info here. This is a little look behind the curtain. There are about 30 overlords. That doesn't surprise me. Um, and each one of them is one negative aspect of the mortals on the realm above. Yeah, makes sense to me. So they're almost, you know, if you had... You it's know, the 30 the, horsemen of the apocalypse? Yeah, the the, the 30 deadly sins, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's kind of what we're dealing with. But each of them has, like, a domain over a number of different kind of minor parts. It's not just anger. It's rage and hatred and jealousy. And so, like, they've got their domain. So that's... Which the, one's Kevin Spacey? <laughs> um, he's uh, he's up with Sybaris up in, in Kevin's space He. Is it not good to talk about him anymore? I don't know if we can make jokes about Kevin Spacey. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Okay, since the overlords and uh, so on, many nations have risen and fallen. Civilizations have come and gone. There were the giant kingdoms on the continent of Zendrik. <laughs> yes, we'll just go with that. It's fine. Uh, but. The giants were destroyed when they had a giant war <laughs> See right there? Yep. I... Uh, with the dragons of the other continent, where the dragons are from, Argonison. Now, that's pretty standard D&D lore, or just mytho- like mythological lore. Giants and dragons hate each other, so that stacks. Yeah, So, but I mean, they, they had their own continents, and, mm-hmm. you know, big fight. The giants lost. Yeah. Big time. Gotcha. Uh, in fact, I'm just going to go back to my 3.5 here for a second. Uh, there was a book in 3.5 called The Secrets of Zendrix, and uh, it really fleshed out a lot of that. They haven't done anything like that that I found so far uh, in the 5th edition Eberron, but there was additional content that kind of surrounded... I'm sure you can find stuff online that references that, if you wanted to dig into the giants of Eberron. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I did on Eberron with my guys was exploring the different areas. I mean, we would take submarines over and explore the giant ruins. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now 
besides the giants and the dragons, there was also the Goblin Empire of Dakan. Okay? Now, these guys, they, they were in power, and they ruled the other continent, Corvair, which is where most of Eberron takes place, uh, until an army of Mind Flayers and Beholders and other aberrations came in and just obliterated everything that they touched. Yeah, now, they were led by the Dalkir. Yes, which came out of... The Underdarkish. Um, so what's it called? The Demon Wastes. Okay. All right, all right I'm jumping ahead then. Yeah, okay. we're, we're going we're gonna to touch okay. on that a little bit later. Again, just so we're all aware, there's I haven't spoken about one of the continents. I figure I should probably mention it here. And that is Sarlona. Okay, that's where the humans came from, and we'll, again, get into that later. So there's basically the four major ones. Corvair, which is where most stuff happens. Sarlona, where the humans are. Argonison, where the dragons are. And Zendrik, which is where the giants were. Okay. And that that one's descended back into the wild, right? Like, there's there's no civilization there. Yeah, uh, to give you just a quick snapshot of it, it's, think, overgrown jungles. This is where Indiana Jones would hang out. Okay. Okay, but the ruins are like 60 feet tall each room, right? Because there's giants. Sort of. Um, sidebar. For every giant-sized door, there's also a regular-sized human door because they enslaved elves. I like it. I'm good with that. Yeah, I would right. enslave elves if I was given the chance. Right? Yeah. So, but I mean, that was, that was then. This is now. We've progressed from then. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is not how the world is anymore. Okay. When I say the last war, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. That's what the war forged. Uh, that's when they came into existence. But the last war was, I mean, it's right in the name. It was the last war. There are so many wars that they don't even really name them. So so the last war is just the previous war. It's not like it was the final war never to have another one. It was just, you know, the last one. Sort of. I, I would imagine that. Remember how, I guess you probably don't remember because you weren't alive, but World War One was the war to end all wars. Yeah. But now it's World War One, so this will be the last war. But later on, it'll be known as the War of the Blah. Giant dildos. Probably five nations, but, you know, we'll go with what you said. Okay. Okay. Up until the beginning of the last war, which lasted for a very, very long time, uh, the continent of Corvair was, for the most part, united under the banner of the Kingdom of Galifar. Okay. Galifar was made up of five nations. Aeonder, Breland, Karnath, Thrain, and Sire. Okay. This, okay. Is, this is a lot of just nonsense garbage words that you're tossing at us. These are just nonsense, imaginary, made-up places that I don't have a frame of reference for. So you have to swing back to this a couple times. Uh, and I will. Okay. Um, I really like... The two that I like are Thrain and Karnath. They just kind of roll off the tongue nicely. Yeah. But Aeonder. I, I hate saying that one. Aeonder? Aeonder. Aeonder. <laughs> okay. Alright. Uh, now, the rulers of these five nations, which again are in a united kingdom, not the united kingdom. Right. A okay. kingdom that is, that is united, united yeah. with five nations. Yes. Okay. Um, they are descendants of the Wynarn bloodline. Okay? Which is the royal bloodline of Galifar. Sure. Okay. This is the Final Fantasy level shit right here. Yes. Okay. No, keep going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, about a century ago, Galifar fell into civil war, which is what 
became known as the Last War. So that's why you say the Battle of the Five Nations. Yes, which... Let uh, me guess, a king died and they couldn't agree who the next ruler was going to be? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> this is some <laughs> Final Fantasy level shit right here. That's not a bad thing. And it happened all the time in, in history, but there we go. Yeah, well, except this lasted for 104 years. Oh. Which, if it was our world, we would just call that the Hundred Years War. Yeah. Right? Because that's what we do. But the thing that made it come to a grinding halt was in the 100th year, the nation of Sire was absolutely, completely obliterated. Destroyed. How do you spell Sire? C-Y-R-E. Okay. I will add all of these spellings in the show notes. Yeah. You're going to have to. Yeah. And again, I am bad at pronunciation. So, do what you want with it. Maybe it's Kyrie. I think it's Sire. I think it is too. I wonder if they call their king the sire of sire. Keep keep talking, Dave. That's probably not good for anybody. No. So uh, you so you said that it got destroyed. Yeah. Which again? How? Uh, through the morning. Not like, hey guys, the sun came up. It's morning. But like the, oh my god, this has a terrible morning. Oh okay. Okay. M o u r n i n g. M o i m. M o u r n. M o i m n. M M O U R N I N G <laughs> Mickey Mouse <laughs> Mor- Morning Mouse Yeah, all right. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so this war split the five nations even further. Okay, and I mean there was infighting between the nations in amongst themselves as well as with each other, and this all came to a close when everybody signed what's called the Treaty of Thronehold. Now, Thronehold is a place, but again... We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Okay. So, Sire was destroyed, which left Aeondar, Brayland, Karnath, and Thrain. Okay? Mm -hmm. But it created eight more nations. They shattered. They splintered. They... We're going to talk about those in other episodes. Yeah, but just give you a quick rundown of what they are, because you guys need to know more of these nonsense made up words. Yeah. They are Dargoon, the Eldine Reaches... The Lazar Principalities, the Mrorholds, which is a real mouthful, Kabara, the Talenta Plains, Valinar, and Zilargo. Yeah. Okay. All right, sure. You're just speaking ridiculous words to me right now. Yes. I'd say that you're speaking Greek to me, but we're not in Theros yet. Not not quite. Not not yet. Not quite. Uh, now, all of these 12 nations, they have diplomatic relations with each other. There is This is a time of peace, although some it's factions... It's a strange peace. Between some of them. Some of them still get along really well. Most of them don't. Uh, a lot of places want their land back. Okay? But... We, we, we have an Israel-Pakistan kind of scenario. Well, let's not get too political here, but uh, yes. Okay. Yes. With, if we have North and South Korea where we know that that guy really wants the other one back, but there's peace for now. Yeah, and nobody's really that worried about creating war because it's really just a token measure anyways. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because they still have good relations. They're still cross-border trading. They you know, they get along. Uh, the Treaty of Thronehold, uh, it really solidified what was going on on just the continent of Corvair. Those are the 12 nations. However, there's a few other regions as well. Okay? Regions that aren't governed by the Treaty of Thronehold. These are like wildlands. Sort of. Um, I mean, one of them is the Demon Wastes. That's where the... The Dalkir came from? No, it's where the demons poop. Oh, the Demon's Waste, yes. Yes. Gotcha. It, it's where Baylors have their little litter box. No, it's actually where they go to pick up belts. 
Oh, well, it's, it's the Rakshasa um, litter box. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, so there's the Demon Wastes, which, you know, we'll touch on that later. Uh, there's the Shadow Marches. Well, you have to pick up after them, right? Marches or Marshes? We're going with Marches. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's Thronehold, which is a tiny little island. We'll, again, get there later. And there's also Drome. Now, Drome has declared itself a nation, but it is not recognized by the 12 nations that were recognized in the Treaty of Thronehold. Sure, okay. So it's a new guy on the block. Yeah, they're really trying to carve out a spot for themselves, but they're not quite sure. Not quite there yet. Um, I mean, they, they're in an area of the continent that isn't super populated. It didn't really have a lot going for it anyways, but they want to play too. Yep. For hundreds of years, for a long, long time, the Kingdom of Galifar was united by King Galifar. Got you. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. And everybody loved it. It was great. I mean, there was the five nations, but they were ruled by the house Wynarn. Okay. Uh, now, that all ended with the death of, like you said, the king. His name was Jarrett Irwynarn. Okay. And that happened on the... 12th of Therendor, 894YK. Just keep talking your, your babble nonsense to <laughs> okay, me. Okay, so I'm going to use the, the suffix YK for the year for a lot of this, okay? Uh, YK, it stands for Year of the Kingdom. I think I have that kind of jelly. Continue. I bet you Dan's website sells it. That the kind of jelly? You need that jelly to jam. You know what the difference between jam and jelly is? Yes, I do. Keep talking. Excellent. Um, so you guys will hear this YK coming up quite a bit. So 894 YK is when King Jarrett Irwarnarn died. So Galifar has been solidified as a kingdom for, I mean, almost 900 years. I can just hear Terry right now being like, fucking nerds. <laughs> Can't you hear that in his voice right now? Fucking nerds. <laughs> Fuck, no. Fucking nerds. No, hold on. I don't think I can do Terry's accent. Pip, pip, cherry. No, all right, continue. He won't listen to this anyway. He's not on it. <laughs> Keep talking. Now, to give you a little bit of an idea of what I mean by the 12th of Therendor, um, we're going to break down the calendar real quick here. So, Corvair or, or Eberron, uh, their calendar works pretty much the way our, ours does. It's a little bit different. There's 24 hours in a day. There's seven days in a week. There's four weeks in a, in a month. And there's 12 months in a year. Uh, just because I have it all... In front of me, I'm just going to list them all out real quick. The seven days of the week are, starting on Sunday, Sol, Mal, Zal, Wur, Zor, Far, and Sar. Of course. Okay? Yeah. The 12 months of the year are, starting in January, Zerantar, Olarun, Therindor, Ayr, Dravago, Nim, Larvion, Barakas, Hron, not the guy, just like R-H-A-A-N. Okay, it's, Ron. Not, it's not Ron. Yeah, no, like I ran down to the store to pick up a... Yeah, well, I'm still back in the secret of Nim. Oh, Jesus. So, back and back, going back into October here now, Spheros, Aerith, and Vault is December, okay? So, King Jarrett Irwinarn died on the 12th of Therendor, 894 YK, which would be... March 12th? March 12th. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, the typical Eberron campaign, like I said, it starts on a particular day. And that day is the 1st of Zarentar, 998YK. So... January 1st. 116 years? No. 104. 104 years later. Yeah. 
Okay. How long has the war been over? Uh, well, the Treaty of Thronehold was kind of worked on for a little bit, but yeah. I mean, it's it's fresh. The mourning happened in 994, and it took them about two years to get together and start putting things together. So the last war has kind of been over for about a year, year and a half. Or, okay. Sorry, sorry, year and a half to two years kind of thing. Okay. okay. All right. Yep. The, the reason that the war happened was there was no direct line of succession. And because all of the nations were ruled by a Weinarn, they were all struggling and fighting and kind of getting at each other's yeah it's, it's a second cousin once removed more important than a first cousin twice removed i mean i mean think think of europe with you know the russian german and english monarch all being distantly related i mean in some cases it wasn't even that distant wasn't like the european royalty severely inbred in some places too like in some like the habsburgs were if, if you google like the Habsburgs, they had a particular deformity that was known as the Habsburg jaw. Okay? Uh, I, I see, it was just a giant lower jaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, like, it yeah. was, there was a lot of it, but I mean, that's not... That, that's not what this is? This is not, again, we're not Game of Thrones level of incest here? I mean, I haven't come across it, but I mean, let's... I wonder if they came across it, though. Never mind, keep going. Okay. Yep. So, during this 100 years of war, Alliance has changed... Allegiances swapped. Some people fought others. Uh, and ideas changed. Nations had to evolve to keep up with the war. Uh, there were years of nothing. We're just like, there was no fighting. Intertwined with years of battles and sieges. and The worst parts of war. But I mean, it wasn't like, a hundred years of clash. Like, it wasn't... No, it was a hundred years of tension with occasional battles and direct warfare. Yeah, and this all came to a head, like I said, four years ago, when the nation of Sire was destroyed by a magical, cataclysmic event known as the Morning. And again, morning like sadness, not morning like AM. Correct. Gotcha. Uh, now, the nation of Sire was the heart of Galifar. Okay, uh, and they, because of this, ended up being the main battleground during the last war, and it, it could be seen in its lands and its people. Its people were were battle hardened over time. The war was, or the the land was pockmarked, full of, you know, you think magically a fireball leaves a crater. Like the the earth was scorched. Okay, but none of that could prepare it for what happened on the twentieth day day of Olarun in 994 YK. The day that over a million, I don't want to call them Syrians, Syrians, Syrans. Okay, Syrians. Syrans. Syrans. Syrans? Syrans. The day where over a million Syrans were killed. Now, the only survivors of the morning were soldiers that were off fighting in foreign lands. Uh, the people living on the outskirts uh, who were able to flee the advancing mist, because that's what the morning was. It was a mist. Okay, we'll get into that in a sec. Uh, and the other people that got away were those that could escape through magical means. So they, they like, fly away? Well, I mean, you got to keep in mind, this is a steampunky kind of realm. So there's airships, there are uh, fast boats. I just want to know if these, were, if these were the air raid sirens. They could have been, yes. Okay. Yes. And they could have walked really fast. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyways, so because this killed so many people, there's kind of varying stories on how it came to be. Nobody knows for certain. Not really. If they do, they're not talking about it. 
Okay? Now, some people say that these mists rose out of the sewers of the capital of Sire, a city called Metrol. Okay? And it kind of spread from there. Others say there was a flash of light that engulfed a battlefield by the Seirun Road. Regardless, what is known is that in just one day, millions had been caught by the grey mists and were not just killed, but horrifically transformed. Okay? They were twisted. Into what? Dead. They were dead, but it, like, fucked them up on the way. Oh, uh, yeah, so their faces melt and they sprout three extra fingers and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, and this took one day to wipe out the entire kingdom. And you gotta keep in mind that, like, Sire was right in the middle of Corvair, and the mists haven't gone away. There's these big walls that block off people from entering what used to be Sire. So it's a quarantine zone. If you live and breathe, you can't go in there. You will die. What if you don't breathe? Like the Warforged? Yeah, I was also thinking there's a bunch of, of, of different races and stuff that don't have to breathe. Maybe that's a campaign hook right there. Yeah, okay. Like a, like an, I think an undying warlock, a uh, pact of the undying, doesn't have to read stuff like that. There are certainly ways to get in there. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, and there are some myth and legend about what goes on in the Mornland uh, later on in the book. Sure. But, I mean, that's really the what happened. Yeah, okay. okay. Now, like I said, it was the morning that shocked all of Corvair into coming to the negotiating table. Okay, which was at... Thronehold, uh, which made the Treaty of Thronehold. Thronehold. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Uh, so two years later, in nine nine six YK, the treaty was officially signed and brought an end to the last war. So there's your actual answer. Okay. Two years ago, the war ended. Okay. Uh, and in those two years, there have been the displacement of Syran refugees. I really don't want to call them Syrian refugees. No, no. Syran is the right way to okay. do it. Uh, so there's most of the nations, like I said, Sire was in the middle. So a lot of the nations have taken in these refugees to bolster their populations, uh, from what they lost from the war. Yeah. Now they're also kind of in some places to serve the ruling class. It's not all good. Uh, however, so they accept them in as like slave labor almost. Well, not slave labor, but indentured servitude. Yeah. I, w- I really would not call them slaves, but they're there for a reason. Yeah. We'll we'll allow you in. You do these things for us. Yeah. Uh, Now, also, the bordering original, one of the original five nations, Breland. Where you get your cheese from. Naturally. Has allowed them to settle a city that they have called New Sire. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, that's kind of what's been going on in the last couple of years. Now, again, the Warforged were created to fight in this war. When the Kingdom of Galifar came into existence... The Warforged were not a thing, okay? So now you've got these this race that was built for war, just kind of roaming around. They don't really know what to do with themselves. And, I mean, they have since turned into raiding parties, and they're supposed to be, again, because they don't breathe and so yeah. on, uh, they're supposed to be a large group of them in the Mornland. In fact, perhaps... They were the ones that caused the mourning. They wanted to carve out their own part of Corvair oh, so for th- themselves. There's suspicion and stuff around them as well. Of course there are. Like, I mean, they're they're new. They're the new kids on the block. People are looking at them kind of funny. They're not always welcome. Yeah. You know, we don't serve your kind here. They yeah. are, they're robots, but not, right? So, robots? Ronots. Ro- uh, no. Yeah, I don't got it. No, I don't got it either. Yeah, I don't got it. But, and, and that's, that's really... 
Undroids. I like that. Undroids. Undroids. <laughs> um, but I mean, and, and that's really where we're at today. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that kind of, there's the history that you need to know. So there's a civil unrest. We have th- these four continents and there's the big one that everybody, just tell me if I'm getting this right. Yeah. Okay. There is this long, almost thousand year long history. Um, on this planet, which is made up of one dragon really holding another one in place, and all the evil comes out of it. Another dragon is shattered in the sky. We've got um, the, our main focus of our of our campaign setting is on uh, the continent of Corvair. Corvair, gotcha. Uh, there are other continents, but one of them doesn't have giants on it anymore. Correct. One of them has. Well, maybe it does. Maybe it does. Okay, so there's one that has. That's full of humans, and we'll talk about that, I guess, another time. Sort of, that's where humans came from. Okay, so kind of like, again, I'm going to use Game of Thrones because it's popular pop culture at this point, where um, all of, like, the first men came from Essos over into Westeros. Yeah. Okay, okay, so it's the same kind of idea. Sure. Um, And and so we've had a thousand years, essentially, or, well, we had almost 900 years of peace. When the king died, there was no successor. And so everybody, these five nations went to war. It ended up being how many? Twelve? Ten? Twelve and a half? Twelve and a half, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because there's that young... Let's go with twelve plus. Okay, twelve plus nations. Um, and, uh, And so the war has been over for two years. There's not only a displaced people because of this rotten, horrible, toxic land in the middle, but there's also a new race that was created during the war for war, and that's the Warforged, and they don't know where their place in the world is anymore because they're soldiers and they're thinking, they're not automatons, but they were bred for war, their skills are war, and now they, they can't utilize those skills. Yes. Okay, and so here we are, two years, and we're going to launch a campaign on Corvair in one of these other kingdoms. Probably in the main city on Corvair that I haven't brought up yet. Named Sharn. Where's Sharn? It's in Breland. Okay. All right. So there's going to be refugees. Sharn is is known as the City of Towers because I did a little bit of reading ahead, right? Oh, is it ever? Yes. Okay. All right. So we'll talk about Sharn later, but we're talking Metropolis. There's a lot of refugees. There's a lot of mistrust between the nations. There's some political things going on in the background. There are horrible fiends coming out of a distant land called the demon wastes there are there's the underdark is really a nasty afterlife or no well that's where fiends come from what happens to dead people they die their, their souls don't go off to a heaven or a hell analog maybe we'll get there okay well, all right we'll get there so okay so that's that's what we have do i, do I have that right for the most part okay well it's an it's a mimic podcast so let's grab dice i want to roll initiative dave if you had to choose one of these details because there's a lot of ridiculous words and crazy freaking timescapes and and a calendar with a whole bunch of as someone who's made up a nonsense calendar that was also a nonsense calendar uh, there's, so there's a lot going on here what's the one thing that you would kind of steal to put into your own homebrew campaign on roll initiative yep not 20 i got a 13 well all it's right. only downhill from here for me yeah <laughs> uh so a long time ago uh, we played, you were actually playing in it. This was in my shitty apartment over by the... Yeah, I remember, uh, yeah. Uh, and I did a really bad job 
DMing. It was probably the worst DM job that I've ever done for the entire campaign, and I'm okay with it. Um, you guys were the ones that suffered, not me. It honestly wasn't that bad. I've been in worse stuff since. But but the thing is, is that I put so much time into writing that, and I stole so much different stuff, so many different things from so many different places, uh, from different corners of pop culture, in order to put this all together. Okay? Um... The one thing that I really liked was you guys started off in Sharn, you traveled on a boat across to Zendrix, uh, where you had to find the essence of five giants, which were the stone giants, hill giants, frost giants, fire giants, and... Storm or cloud? Cloud. Because once you did, and you destroyed them, you were going to be given three iron flat. No. Yes. Okay. So on the last one, you got up... Into the clouds. I think you ended up climbing Jack's Magic Beanstalk to get there. Uh, And you managed to get two iron flasks. One of them held the dragon god, Ugin, uh, who I directly stole right from Magic the Gathering. Sure. uh, And uh, a Tarrasque. And the idea is that the Tarrasque was unleashed upon the world, and you guys had to stop it. But Ugin was going to fly you. He was a gray dragon. He was going to fly you to Argonison to meet the dragon people, where you were going to learn the secrets behind the Warforged, and you were actually going to have to imbue your souls through a creation forge into Warforged bodies so that you guys could journey into the Mornland, where you could go down through the Lake of Blood into the Underworld, into Kyber, to retrieve an artifact that when you came back out, you would have giant dragons that you could fly. Each one of you, I think there was five of you in the campaign, yeah. you would each get your own color of dragon to control, uh, and you would have this artifact to go, and by the time you caught up with the Tarrasque, right. it was leveling the city of Sharn. So so we went from Corvair to Zendrix to Argonison, back to Corvair, through the Mornland. You guys transformed right. yourselves right. along the way. Right. So right. every single part of this... I like and wanted to steal. <laughs> all right, so there's but there's no one thing that you, if you had to strip it all down, it, what is the one thing that sticks out to you? Is it the dragon gods and the creation myth? Is it the old war that was falling apart? Is it the new displaced people? Is it the mystery of what happened in the Mornland? Like, what is the the one thing that has always, I guess, been a part of D and D but never really fleshed out was what to do with displaced people. And the strife that they might face because of it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. They really embrace that in Eberron. Yeah, this is a like we'll get into. There are some shadow organizations. There's also different houses that run different facets of the economy of Corvair, and like it's absolutely fascinating figuring out where all these people fit is just it's incredible. I want to see an HBO series based in Eberron. That would be badass. It would be messed up. But I bet you they could do it better than the eighth season of Game of Thrones. Well, I liked it. I'm not gonna. I'm not having that conversation with you. I, I'm the, one of the three defenders of that season. I didn't say it was bad. I mean, I think it was, but I didn't say it. Uh, but I mean, we all know the Game of Thrones was six seasons, and it ended there. Okay, so my answer, the one thing that I like about this more than anything else, is the dragon myth, the creation myth. I freaking love creation myths. They're also freaking weird. The Norse ones are particularly freaking bizarre. But I like anything where the gods are just chilling out and like, hey, you know what we should do? Make shit exist. And then they do. And then, invariably, someone fucks over someone else. 
And now people are walking around. In the beginning, the world was created. This is generally regarded as a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I, uh, I, I don't know. I really like the the creation myth here. I could steal these if I didn't want to play with Bahamut and and Tiamat. I would steal these progenitor dragons to be new dragon gods. But they haven't. We've got we've got an evil one. We've got a protector, and we've got I don't know what would what would Sybaris be? What? The one that's the rings. <laughs> and, then the, and then the one, yeah. But you have three that, so you have a dynamic you can play with and different dragon cults. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. So. Yeah, no, I dig it. Anyway, let's, uh, let's talk for a moment about, uh, about one of the monsters that we can dig into here in, uh, in D&D. And that is, you know, you talked briefly about overlords. Overlords actually have stat blocks. Two of them have stat blocks. And they're freaking crazy. One of them is all about secrets and shadows, and one of them is all about um, is all about like warfare and rage. Which one are you interested in? Warfare and rage, I would say probably. Okay, so here's what I got. In the first days of the world, the children of Kyber rose from the darkness to reign over Eberron. The greatest among them were the Overlords. The Overlords are immortal, as we said earlier. And uh, if you were to quote unquote kill them, they just go back down into the. Um, into the yeah, they're immortal. Below. When yeah. the forces of light vanquished them, they just kind of held their essence. Yeah, in the underworld. So it does say that armies of dragons fought against the fiends of Kyber, uh, and although they couldn't be destroyed, uh, the Kowadl sacrificed their lives to build a prison of celestial light, which is called a silver flame. Now, this is leaning into the Celestials and Dragons myth. We're going to talk about the Silver Flame just a little bit in the next episode, but it's essentially just a religion. Yeah, okay. So that, or there's a religion based upon it. The The idea is that a Silver Flame binds the overlords in Kyber. Um, and the idea is that these, these shards, uh, the Kyber Dragon Shards, uh, which are out in the world... All have essentially these overlords that are you've got to break the shards or or get them and do rituals and whatnot in order to release an overlord. It does say that no overlords walk up on on the ground in the in the primaterial plane yet yet. But they they statted a couple out to give you an idea of what their power uh, what their power is. It also says that uh, they can't die permanently upon its death. A overlord reforms elsewhere in the multiverse. And becomes active again at a time set by the DM. So, you know, buy your DM some pizza. You uh, chose Rack Tulkesh, who is called the Rage of War. And he's the incarnation of impulses that drives many mortals to battle. Fear, greed, hatred. These are the seeds of the Rage of War. And and these are the things that they hope to uh, produce in people to have just like a almost a blood harvest. This guy typically takes the form of some sort of fleshy-looking dragon. He's really creepy-looking. He's got iron spikes growing out of him. He's 12 feet tall. He almost has, like, a centaur feel to him as well because he's got four legs but but two arms. He's really... He almost looks like an undead abomination. He's got a long-ass tail with a big spike on the end of it. Um, And the idea is that he has inspired cults to rise up. If you like war and fighting... And or if you hate another people, so if you are if you are a racist, this guy gets power. So here's his uh his brief stat block for you. Okay, he's considered huge. His AC is twenty three, but it's twenty five against ranged attacks, which is weird. I've never seen that before. Uh, which means you got to get right up to fight him. He's got thirty three d twelve 
plus 264 hit points. That's a couple. Yeah, that's that, that's a bunch. He's got 40-foot uh, movement and climb and 80-foot fly. He's got strength and con, which are through the freaking roof. Charisma's up there, too. Intelligence and wisdom are above 20, and Dex is sitting at a 19. Dex is his lowest at a 19. That's gross. Yeah, he's got wicked saving throws. His skills are athletics, intimidation, and perception, and they're all through the fucking roof. He's resistant to cold, fire, and lightning, and immune to poison and any bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing attacks from non-magical weapons. They just don't work. You cannot pick up an item and go hit him with it. It will just bounce. He's also immune to being charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, or stunned. He has true sight up to 120 feet and a passive perception of 24. Languages all telepathy 120 feet. Damn. Yep, he damn well knows you're there. Challenge rating 28. That's so, crazy. Here's what he can do. He's got some innate spell casting. Uh, spell save DC is 24. And it's a bunch of, like, smiting. Like, it's right out of the palette and stuff. He gets detect thoughts, dispel magic, spirit guardians. Um, because he's he's divine, right? Um, he's powered by Kyber. If he scores a critical hit on a roll of 19 or 20, he rolls the damage dice three times, not twice. Oh, so it's times three. Yeah. That's one thing that you don't really get a lot of in 5th edition, do you? Ever. This is unique. Okay, because I remember, like, even in 3.5, your great axe would get a times three critical, right? You Not only do you almost never see an improved critical range, right, of 19 to 20. Like, you have to go into a specific subclass in Fighter to get that. Um, but you never, ever, ever see multiples of, of damage dice beyond the, the regular critical. So, I mean, the, really the only people that get the extended critical range are real keeners oh that was a 3.5 joke day that not most people will not get well educate yourselves <laughs> uh, he's got uh, legendary resistances three times a day magic resistance which means he's got advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects he has whirlwind of weapons a magical aura of weapons surrounds him in a 10 foot radius at the start of each of his turns any other creature in that aura takes 46 force damage that's fucked up and it's force like nothing is immune or resistant to force that's hard to come by so yeah we haven't even got to do his actions yet he makes four weapon attacks his weapon attacks are either his uh his spawned melee weapon or his spawned ranged weapon and what those are because uh, they circle about him he doesn't actually directly attack you he just spawns them around him, and they either have a plus 17 to hit with a 10-foot reach. This is the melee. 10-foot reach, plus 17 to hit. 3d12 plus 9 force damage when they hit you. Or the ranged ones are plus 12 to hit, but they can go up to 600 feet. Oh, is that all? Yep. Uh, they can only attack one target, though, and it's 3d8 plus 4 force damage. He can also change shape as an action, where he polymorphs into a humanoid, beast, or giant that has a challenge rating no higher than his own, which is fucking nothing. Nothing is higher than 28. So, like, he is just... He can turn into pretty much anything. So far. Or nothing is higher than 28 so far. No, I think this is the highest... The Tarrasque, I think, is the only thing that he cannot turn into. And it's a monstrosity, not a beast. So, I don't believe there's anything that high. Um, or he can turn back into his, his normal form. Um, he returns to that form if he dies, um, and uh, any weapon or, or equipment or anything that he's carrying is absorbed into his new form. In his new form, he regains his align or he retains his alignment, hit points, hit dice, ability to speak, proficiencies, 
legendary resistance, and intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores, as well as this action. So he like he can't do the other stuff anymore. He also gets legendary actions because, of course, he does. Yeah, why not? I want to go on other people's turns because I'm a CR 28, which means that he can do another one of these crazy weapon attacks, or for two legendary actions, he can cast Dispel Magic, or he can Provoke Rage using all three of his legendary actions uh, per turn, which means that each creature within 60 feet of Rak Tolkesh must succeed on a DC 24 wisdom save or use its reaction to make a melee weapon attack against a random creature within reach. If no creatures are within reach, it has to make a ranged weapon attack, even if it means that they have to throw their weapon to do it. It straight up says that in the rules. This attack is made with advantage, and gains a plus four bonus to its damage roll. So he can just make everyone in the party attack each other, and potentially disarm themselves. This guy is a badass. If I want a, a end of a campaign for a seven-person party, this is what I throw at them. I may reskin him, but if I'm, if I'm not an Eberron, but he is an overlord of... He's almost like a demigod of rage. It's badass, and I freaking love him. The other one in the book, by the way, is um, that's actually statted out. She is known as the Queen of Shadows, and all of her stuff is mind and psychic nonsense, but still CR 28. That's messed up. Yeah. So, pretty badass, hey? No kidding. They're they're swinging for the fences in Eberron, and a lot of stuff is high-powered stuff in their in their monster stats. Yeah, there's a lot of magic in this world, and the creatures and bosses and bad guys reflect that. So, uh, are there any final thoughts then, Dave? Are we ready to wrap this up? Uh, I mean, I can go on for a long, long time. Let's. Well, you will. We have more episodes. Yes, but I mean, let's <laughs> let's probably pause it here. We've gone from. Uh, from the beginning of time to present day. So let's let's call it there, and we'll get into what present day looks like here in a little bit. This entire series, as well as other series on role-playing games, are available on the It's a Mimic feed on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and lots of the other podcast apps. So don't forget to follow or subscribe on whatever app you're listening to. Also, check out the entire library of episodes on www.itsamimic.com, and feel free to support us by hitting that donate button. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic Touring the Multiverse. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook, or you can find me at the subreddit r slash It's a Mimic. Until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Adam. And we'll be back with more Eberron information and crazy adventure inspiration next time. items over here come on down today we're gonna get you the best deal we're gonna get you out of here with smiles and a little bit of weight in your pocket win a house win a car win a horse win a card hey come on down jen's magnificent hey mister hey buddy buddy you're on fire your pants are smoking what, what me hey, hey pal help your friend no he look down you're on fire man where well i don't feel on fire Oh, wait, hold on. Hey, oh, I'm sorry. It looked like your pants went up in flames for a moment there, but it must be all that coin burning a hole in your pocket. Luckily, I got a few things here that might help you with that. <laughs> I thought he was calling you a liar. <laughs> yeah, like, what, 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 what do you got? What do you got? What's your name? Uh, I'm Adam. Adam, all right. I, I, I'm Coffee Bitch Dave. Coffee Bitch Dave. What the fuck is coffee? Uh, it's like hot bean juice.
bean juice. If you get any of that, bring them over to me and I'll see if I can flip them for you, you know? <laughs> and what's your name? Jed. My name's fucking Jed. I had kind of a shitty name it was kind of given to me, but it is what it is and you take what you get and you roll with it. Alright, fellas, today I got the finest, I mean the finest dragon shards in all of Eberron. Hell, the best dragon shards you'd find in all the plains. And what are they, you may ask? Do you may ask? I, yeah. do, I do may ask. What 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 may are they? Alright, so there's three types of these shards. Let's first talk about our homegrown Eberron dragon shards. Shop local, right? Right. Now, maybe these little crystals ain't much more than a pretty rock to give your grandmother for a 263rd birthday to the average fella. But hey, you grind these rosy little fuckers down at a fine, pretty powder, you have yourself the power to fuel almost any act of magic you want. Missing a spell component? No problem. Dragon shards. Release the power of the overlords? No problem. Dragon shards, you know? I do now. Hey, well, you know, thank you. You know, like I said, they're local, but, you know, if you're looking for something a little more exotic, you know I got you covered too, pal. What do you mean? Oh, right, well, we're talking at this point, we're talking about kyber dragon shards. Kyber? Like, like, underground kyber? Yeah, yeah, it comes from, uh, yeah, it comes from the ground, right? And, uh, you know, but make sure you grab some sunscreen, because these bad boys, they're like, playing like, white, deep underground, man, like, deep underground. Like, close to some magma shit, you know what I mean? What, what's, what do they do? What do they do? These dragon shards, they act as the glue to the magic we see around us every day. You know, maybe on the more darker scale sometimes, but... Elemental binding, planar binding, phylacteries... Hell, cardboard dragon shards can also be used for necromantic rites, you know? You necrofeel me? <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. It's up to you completely, buddy. I mean, it's just a thing that we do sometimes to pass the time. But if you want, we can move on to the Sybaris dragon shards. Uh, okay. All right, man. Heads up. These shards come directly from the ring of Sybaris. Amber crystals lined with these glimmering gold veins, right? Watch out for any pickpockets while these shards are in your possession. They fetch a pretty penny. Are, are they more valuable than the others? For you today... Same fucking price, buddy. Same price. Usually a little bit more expensive, but today we're going to work it out for you. Alright, these Sybaris Dragon Shards, you know, they're used for anything from attuning to a magic item to crafting legendary items or artifacts. These son of a bitches be the pick of the litter for those with deep pockets. Well, I don't know how deep our pockets are. Yeah, well, jump a bit. We'll have a listen. <laughs> You're not hearing anything. We had to get paid for this podcast. Yeah, I've actually just recently been upgraded from intern. Intern? So what, you working for free? He, he was. Now we pay him in coffee beans. Anyway, okay, so obviously you're pretty new to this, so how about, you know, I tell you a little bit about the crafting aspects of these shards, eh? You know, crafting can be time-consuming and tedious, to say the least, right? You know what I'm talking about. Dragon shards allow those proficient enough to skip the sweet talk and get down to business. Work smarter, not harder, am I right? To give you an example, right? Let's say your adventuring pal is proficient with his herbalism kit, yeah. Okay, if she's got herself one of those shards, she can craft a potion of healing, no problem. You know, to uh, help with her glaucoma or whatever the fuck she says. Sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, you know what it is. That's all we sell here is interesting shit. If it were selling boring shit, you wouldn't be here, right? Right. You know, I'd say let's get down to the brass tacks, but it looks like with you fellas we're dealing with copper. So what do you say? None for me today, thank you. Nothing for you today. All right, okay. Well, hey. What about you, big guy? Dave, what do you say, Coffee Dave? Please steam your beans? Uh, I, I don't know. What, like, what? How much? Tell me. Like, give me a number. Hey, look, David, how about this? You bring me some of them boiled beans that you're talking about. They're that coffee shit. And I'll give you some dragon shards. Fair trade. Right off the fucking skiff. Sound good? Sounds wonderful. 
Alright, hey look fellas, it's been a blast, honestly. A good time to say the least, but I gotta keep this line moving here, you know, making a living. Okay, yeah, we'll be back probably like once a week, I would assume. It seems likely, yeah. Sounds good to me. Alright, David, Adam, we'll see you next time. See you next time, Jed. Bye, Jed. Hey, we got magic items over here. Jesus, please cut this. <laughs>